Hello and welcome to Press Church. I'm Chrissy Bontrager, the Care and Family Ministries Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we're so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Press Youth will be meeting tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our Cal campus. This is for grades 6 to 12 and is a great opportunity for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. We have press stickers, t-shirts, and car stickers available at the information desk in the lobby. If you don't have a sticker on your car yet, make sure you get one as you leave. Woven, our weekly women's Bible study, will be meeting tomorrow from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at our POW campus. If you're interested in joining, please email Krista Hoffman at cfhoffman at yahoo.com. Midweek is back. Join our pastors in a new season of discussion, releasing on our YouTube channel this Wednesday at noon. If you would like to join Press Church and make a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Cal, Ohio 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or by texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Church. Uh, my name is Sean Lee. I'm lead pastor here. Uh, for those of you visiting for the first time, welcome. We're so glad to have you. And for those of you watching online, uh, thank you for joining us as well. Um, I'm excited to be with you today. Um, so here at Press Church, one of our uh, core values is authenticity. It's one of the values that we've, we've said we want to, to be a part of who we are. And so one of my main goals in speaking every week is to try to be authentic, to come to you uh, in humility and uh, create a space that together we can work through our faith. Um, not just telling you, you know, you should do this and you should do that and this, you know, if you don't do this, you're a bad person. Uh, but really working through our faith in a way that uh, is hopefully relatable but also, also in a way that is applicable to the things that you're facing and, and we're facing together. Um, and for transparency's sake, this week was really hard for me. Um, in, in preparing. Uh, many of you have heard that we had the church broken into this week, and I had three of my personal guitars stolen, uh, guitars that I've had for, for many years. Um, and it's hard to convey, you know, when you have something stolen, you know, what those things mean to you. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a, a, a value, you know, there's like a, a monetary value of those things, but I could go on and tell you stories about how I wrote my daughter's song on my acoustic guitar, or I 
you know, recorded a song from my wife on that electric guitar or how, you know, I, as many of you know, some of you guys don't know, I, I actually was in the music industry for many years. So those are guitars that I used to record bands and, um, you know, there's a lot of memories there too. And it's, it's, it's just tough, you know, it's like working through this, like, man, uh, they're special. And, um, you know, it represents a lot to me. It represents time and energy saving for, for those things. And it's, uh, yeah, and so it just, it just hits really deep. So this happened on Wednesday, and I usually do my sermon prep on Thursday. And I, uh, <clears throat> we had been talking with the police and stuff, and on Thursday we were, we were going back and forth. And I'm sitting here trying to write a sermon. And I'm like, I, I can't, I, you know, I'm sitting, I'm trying to focus on, like, what we're talking about. I'm like, I can't focus. Uh, I ended up sharing something on Facebook. Um, some of you might have read it. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a time for, for me to, you know, practice what I preach. You know, we, we had a series on called Dangerous Grace, and now we're in a series called Enough. We're talking about the struggles of life and the weight, and I'm in the middle of it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm here in the middle of it. I think a lot of times pastors, we get looked at as like other. Like, oh, well, they have such a good relationship with God that none of the stuff, you know, it doesn't affect them the same way as it affects us. Or they're just, you know, holier than thou. You know, they don't, they don't make mistakes and stuff. And it's, it's just real. And so I was, like, working through this. So I put out a Facebook post, and I'm, like, and it was in the midst of me writing this post, I'm, like, working through my own self, like, yes, I want my guitars back. Like, yes, there's that. But, like, what, God, what do you want me to, what do you want to teach me in this? You know, like, what, is there anything to learn? And, you know, it's, like, it's kind of time to practice what I preach a little bit. Um, and I think the first thing I wanted, like, when I was thinking through it, I, I wanted empathy. Like, I wanted people to just, like, man, I want people to know how hard this is for me. It was, like, so selfish. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want them, I want people to know that these guitars are really special, and they should know, and it just feel really bad for me. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm working through this. I'm like, it's so it's stupid. They're just things. And so when I take a step back and I started writing through this, I'm like, all right, what, what's really going on? And I shared in my post how I, I truly feel bad for the guy. Like, to, to be in a place that you either feel so in need in some way that you have to take something from somebody else. That you're hurting so bad that you have to go, you know, to a church of all places. It's so funny. Everyone's like, he's still from a church? Who steals from a church? Like, people do, you know? And, and I think the thing is, like, we all can be driven to do some crazy things. We've all done things that we're ashamed of or that we're not happy about. And this is just another guy that got caught in a moment and did something stupid. And unfortunately, my guitars were part of that, but at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, what do, I, what do I want? Like, if I were to see this guy face to face, like, what would the conversation look like? Would I just, like, yell at him and scream? I was like, no, I, I really don't. You know, we, we get to the point where we feel like our fight is against somebody else. Our fight is against another person or another human or, you know, it's like whatever, and scripture even says, what does it say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but yet so much of our fighting is against flesh and blood. It's against other, other people. And so I, I, I really have no desire to, like, punish this guy or, like, give him what he deserves. Um, and I wrote this in my, my post. I'd rather him embrace the fact that Jesus loves him. I'd rather him understand the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so at the end of my post, uh, I, I, I just put this. I put people is greater than stuff. That was, that was like, the, my, my last thing, people over stuff. Um... And in execution, like, this is, this is really, like, not easy because my things don't steal things from me. My stuff doesn't vote differently than me. My stuff doesn't 
have a different opinion than me. My stuff, you know, doesn't talk back. People do. And that's, and that's the tough thing of this. We, we, we have relationships, and there's people, and we're all, we all have our opinions, and we all have our ways of doing things, and, and we are called to love one another and, and, and live life with each other. And these are the times that it just gets hard, you know, when, when our humanity comes out. And so I plan on sharing this not knowing if it would even mesh with my message today. And, and as I was thinking through it, it does, it does fit. Because most of us, we've built our lives around uh, stuff. We, we've built around, our lives around gaining things. Um, and I'm not even saying, like, having stuff is bad. Like, I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, you can't have nice things. You can't, I mean, heck, I had multiple thousand dollar guitars. You know what I mean? Like, I had stuff. But we've built our lives around this. That's the goal. Our goal is to, like, strive for these things. And so as we continue in this Enough series, the question really for us today is what is enough? What is enough? What is enough for you to be happy? What is enough where you can say you've arrived? What is defining enough in your life? Who is defining what is enough in your life. Can we actually get enough? Have you had enough of me saying enough yet? So every week, uh, the pastors, myself, Pastor Sierra, Pastor Jason, we, we hop in a car and we, we talk through uh, the sermon for the day. So we started to talk through what is enough. Let's take a look at this video. This is, this is heavy, man. Yeah, but, I mean, the question, what is enough, is a heavy question. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. It's, this isn't a, people are asking that right now. They don't know it. Yeah, I could see people wanting to show up to church and just tell us about, you yeah. know, the good, happy things. And let's yeah. just hear a couple of scriptures and then sing we a song. We don't want to change. And, right. We want you <laughs> to make us feel better. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, mm, sorry, yeah. wrong place. Not We're talking about the real deal here. Right. You know? that, I mean, your mindset is pretty significant in this. And we can't, it's really hard to examine your own mindset, your own paradigm. Yeah. Because it's your, you, you think out of it. Yes. So that you can't pull yourself out of it to objectively look at it. Yes. And so when we ask questions like, what is enough? Those are paradigm questions. Right. And they're pushing on how I perceive the world around me. And that's really hard. I mean, it's like asking a fish, what is water? It doesn't know because that's just what it swims in. And, and so we've got to push ourselves to ask those questions because that's when God comes in. Yeah. There's a sense of we haven't found what we're looking for. I think the key question, though, is what are we looking for? Right. And if we don't even know that, how do we know when we found it? So we have, you know, the series called Enough, mm -hmm. and it's kind of... And it's questioning enough, yep. you know, like, because it feels like things are not right. Like everything's yeah. falling apart. That's kind of, that's the message we're getting out of media, right? right. You know, it, yeah. it makes us feel insecure. And that's showing the limits of what you think or who you think God is. Yes. It's a reaction out of pain, right? When, or when we get disturbed, when our way of life gets disturbed we react out of that. So if I like, if I took something and I cut you right now, that would suck. you're good. Yeah, it would. And, and you would, <laughs> and you would quickly turn into, uh, have a very myopic view about what is going on in the moment right, right, and right. only be thinking about that pain. Right. And that's the problem right now. We're working out of that immediate yeah. pain. Yeah. 
and we're not seeing what God is doing. We all have gashing wounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And like I said last week, we're trying to put a Band-Aid on the gashing wound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the world is offering us this yes. Band-Aid, yeah. you know? Right. If you uh, buy this product, mm -hmm. if you make this amount of money, if you hang out with this group of people, if you get this many right. uh, likes, right. yep. <laughs> you know, it will be enough. Is it? So we're looking for security, yeah. and we're not finding it in this world. Oh, and by the way, your whole world is collapsing around you. Yes. So you better grab onto something quickly. Yes. Oh, and we have this product that'll make you feel better. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're constantly answering the question, what is enough? Well, this product I'm selling. Right. And then you get it. And, and it's, it's not it's enough. enough. No. Right. So what are we searching for? What, what would make enough? Yeah. I think at some point we've all come to the conclusion of what we think life should look like. We've had expectations of how it should look, how it should play out. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the, the, the burdens that a lot of us are feeling right now is we, you know, when we look around life, it's like, it shouldn't be like this. You know, there shouldn't be this many people hurting or, you know, there's got to be a, a better way. And I feel like we have, we, a lot of us feel that burden. Um, I was looking through um, a, a book, a fairly new book by a guy by the name of Simon Sinek. I've referenced him before. And he has a book called The Infinite Game. And he speaks of, the main premise is, there's two types of games that we play. We have finite games and we have infinite games. And in a finite game, you have you know, known players, known rules, and an agreed upon objective. That's a finite game. It's like sports, all right? You've got two teams, known opponents, agreed upon rules, and you know how to win. You know, you get more points than the other team, and it's going to end at a certain point. And then you have an infinite game. Infinite games are known and unknown players. The rules are changeable. And the, object, the objective of it is to keep it going. It's, it's for the game to continue. And so in this, I mean, the game of life, politics, business, there's, there's no winner. There's no loser, right? You can't, you can't beat these. We say there's winners and losers, but there's really not. So we treat these infinite games like finite games. So finite players, they play games to win. I'm going to win this game. I'm going to beat my opponent. But infinite players play to keep the game going. And I think this is why a lot of us have a distorted view on winning and losing. Because we think about things as winning or losing in an infinite game where there's not winners and losers. It's a game of, you know, constant improvement if you're in the infinite game. You're never going to win. And so you're, you're really against yourself. How do, I, how do I grow myself more? It brings a whole new meaning to, to winning, right? I mean, think about businesses. They're the best. You know, you, you see some advertising, we're the, voted the best. You're like, the best in what? Did anybody ask that? The best in what? And by whose standard? What, what, what poll was taken? I don't know. It was just one of those random polls in some small city, but we were the best. Okay, cool. Your product is better in color. Maybe. It's like, what, what are we playing for? What's, what's, you know, what are the objectives? And I think when we break this down, you know, so much of life is relative. You know, do you have a lot of money? Well, compared to who? Do you have a big house? Again, compared to who? Like what? And, and so we get, we get worn out playing this life game. 
Because we think there's like this winning end, but there's not. But yet we keep on playing it like there is a winning thing. And when we just get tired, we get worn out. We don't know what to do. And we keep feeling empty. And now I'm supposed to tell you how to fix this, right? And then usually in church, like I said, oh, well, don't do this. Don't do this. Do that. Money doesn't buy happiness. Haven't heard that one before, right? That's my, that's my thing of the Money doesn't buy happiness. And everyone's like, oh, I heard that before. But yet, I don't know, does it? It kind of does, sort of. I mean, when I have more money, I am a little more happy. So I call, I almost said I call BS. Eh, I can say it, whatever. <laughs> I'm the pastor. I can say what I want. You guys have said it. You guys actually said the word, so I don't want to hear it. I should have said it. That's the thing. Like, speaking of getting worn out, a lot of us are worn out on church just coming in. It's like, well, this is what you should do, and this is how you do it. And all right, let's sing a song and see you next week. And yet, we continue to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. And we continue to feel worn out, and we continue to feel tired, and we continue to feel not enough. You could be asking, like, why are we even talking about this? Infinite games, finite games, uh, what does this have to do with the Bible or Jesus? You haven't even given us a, a scripture verse yet. But I think this speaks to the human condition. It speaks to the issue that each of us face on a daily basis, seeking out purpose, seeking out acceptance, and thinking that, you know, at that next level we'll finally be happy. Once I finally get to that next thing, I'll finally be happy or finally feel the way that I that I want to feel. And, and really, it is the question, what do we do with this? How, how do we live like this? So if you study scripture, you see some common themes throughout, throughout the Bible. You see this, this overarching narrative. You know, you, you have, and we fit into this narrative very, very, very normally. You have, you, so you have God, right? And he chooses to use people, imperfect people. And those people eventually disobey God. They usually have some sort of struggle, and then they come back to God, and then they fall away again, and then they come back to God, and it's just this cycle, right, of trusting and doubting and disobeying and coming back. And we see this in the Exodus narrative. We've been talking about Exodus quite a bit in this series so far. You have the Israelites who have, have come out of Egypt. We sang that song, Egypt, this morning, right? They've, they're coming out of Egypt, and as they're, so as they're walking through, this is, uh, you know, the, the Egyptians are coming behind them, and they're, God divides the Red Sea. And they're, so they're walking through dry land through this big sea. And they begin praising God. They begin thanking him. Like in, in chapter 15, if you look in Exodus chapter 15, you'll see 18 verses of like this song. This song that they start singing. And they're just talking about what God's done for them. And they're, they're just, they're, they're speaking all these great things. And at the end, the verse is up here, the, verse 18, the end of this, this section says, the Lord reigns forever and ever. And so you have the Israelites, they're, they're coming through the Red Sea. The Red Sea is being, you know, washing over the Egyptians. They're saved. God has saved them. The Lord reigns. God is good. We feel good. Guess how long it took them to start complaining again? Three days. It literally says, three days later, they start complaining about water. And then God provides them clean water. 
And then in the next chapter, right after that, it shows them complaining about food. Guess what happens? God provides. And then the next chapter after that, they start complaining about water again. I mean, you get the picture. You, you, you just saw a sea split apart. And three days later, you're like, I'm thirsty. And we laugh, like, but yet some of us do that. Like, for us, it's never enough. It's never enough. No matter what happens, it's never enough. Well, we are in the desert, and God told Moses to do this, and now we have clean water. Wow. And then the next day, for some reason, there's like this food, this manna on the ground, and we're able to eat as much as we want. It's like amazing. But then, you know, tomorrow, I'm going to be hungry again. And maybe, you know, maybe he won't show up. And so we live out of this never enough. Like, it, it's just like we, we need what we need. And we see, this goes back all the way to the, the Garden of Eden. In the book of Genesis, you have, you know, Adam and Eve felt like they didn't have enough. So what they did, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, fun fact about this. In the biblical narrative, Eve was, was not created yet. So you, you can see that us men have had communication problems from the beginning, right? I'm going to get a, a shirt that just says, I blame Adam. Right? God told Adam not to eat from that tree. You can have every other tree. You can, you can, you know, eat from whatever you want, but don't do that one. And what does he do? He eats from that one. He eats from the, they eat from the one that they're not supposed to, to eat from. You ever wonder why that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, does that sound like bad in and of itself? You think it's like the knowledge of evil, but it's the knowledge of good and evil. What's wrong with having the knowledge of good and and evil. I mean, other than God said not to do it, but let's just think about this for a second. The knowledge of good and evil, why is that, why is that bad? Isn't that what we try to teach in church? I want to teach you what is bad, and I want to teach you what is good. I'm going to teach you what's evil, and I'm going to teach you what's good. So why can't I eat from this tree that lets me know what's good and what's bad? And I don't think we were designed to carry this information. I mean, I don't know all the intricacies of this, but I don't think they could handle the information that came with it. Again, I can't fully explain it, but I think it, I think we can see how it affects all of our lives today. We have this, this tension in our lives, this struggle of good and bad. Good and evil, what is good and what is bad, and, and we just, we try to control it. I mean, just like every, everybody in existence has had this struggle. What is good? What is bad? What is right? What is wrong? And on top of that, we tend to live out of what we don't have. We tend to live like, what, what do I not have in my life? So now we're, we're weighed down by this knowledge of good and evil. I'm not sure what that's playing into it, you know. And I feel like things should be better, and they're not. And so we live in this tension about what we have and what we don't have. And it's, we can blame, you know, our American, whatever, culture, 
we're a very consumeristic culture, a lot of commercials. Like Jason says, like we got these, these people saying, your life isn't enough, have this, and you'll be happy. You know, we're, we're bombarded with that. But I'll, I'll just encourage us today to not be distracted by what, by what we don't have. Don't be distracted by what you don't have. And I think that's the, a lot of times, I mean, we can see it in the garden with, with Adam and Eve. They had a tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And all they could think about was that tree. Not the freedom everywhere else, but the one place that they couldn't have. And now, in saying this, I'm not calling you to just be passive and not care about anything. I think we can, we can go to extremes in our, in our faith sometimes. I, I don't feel like it's a call to just be passive, but I, I think it's, it's really to, a call to, to not live out of what you lack. And I think that's a lot of how we live. We, we live out of our lack of what we don't have. Why is the things that we can't have so tempting? Everybody, like, when you first go on a diet, my, anybody go on a diet and you're not allowed to have something, and all of a sudden, what do you crave? That thing you're not supposed to have. Like, you don't ever eat at halftime anyways, but as soon as you go on that diet, ah, it's like, you get on a diet and you're like, not, to have, not allowed to have nuts and this and that. I'm like, man, I just want nuts now. Like, where's, where are the almonds? Ah, I can't have almonds. You never eat almonds. I don't care. I want them now because I can't have them. I mean, there's so many things in life like that where it's like you don't even think about it, but until, you know, now that you can't have it, you want it. And we're all doing that. We're searching for, like, how do we fill these things that we want? Many of you heard this last uh, week, uh, comedian Norm MacDonald passed away. I'm sure you guys are, most of you are probably familiar with him. Maybe those above the age of 40. I don't know. He used to be on SNL, if you guys know what SNL is. So uh, somebody shared an article with me uh, about Norm McDon McDonald that I thought was, uh, thought was interesting. And it was, it was highlighting Norm, like, working through his, his own spiritual identity. And it was interesting. I'm like, man, he's actually dug into this a lot of, more than maybe a lot of, of people. But he says church, the vast majority of the time, is about telling somebody how to be a nice fella. That's what he said. And he, had, he, he mentioned he had some pastor friends. But he's like, yeah, it's like, you're just trying to tell me how to be a nice guy. I think many of us, you know, in the church have felt this. Like, that's not the point of Scripture. The point of Scripture isn't just to make you a, a nice guy or a nice girl. And I think we feel like it's, it's got to be more than that. And he had a, an interesting uh, a piece in this article, and this is Norm MacDonald talking. And it says, I think this is, this is really insightful. He says, some people believe that man is divine, like kind of a hippie idea. I can't believe that because I know my own heart, and I know that's not true. Other people believe that we're wretched, just like the cynics or the atheists would believe. We're all just wretched nothingness, just animals, just creatures. I can't believe that. It doesn't make any sense that we're just beasts. I will say that Christianity has this interesting compromise where we're both divine and wretched, and there's this middleman, that's the Savior, that through him we can become divine, but we're born wretched. And I kind of like that one because it sort of makes sense. Norm's sharing some of the basic elements of the gospel here. You see, you know, in Romans 3, it, it, there's a section in Romans 3 that, that highlights how no one is righteous. 
You know, it speaks to how the Old Testament law could not make you righteous, but rather it makes us aware of our inability to be righteous on our own. And, but it doesn't stop there. And in chapter 3, if we, if we look right after that, we can see how we can be righteous. And so here in Romans 3, 22 and 24, it says, The righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's what Norm's talking about here. I mean, we're seeing this. Like, we have this, like, wretched, broken, fallen side that we all feel. And yet this kind of divine side, and there's this weird tension. But this is the gospel. That the Christ made a way for us to have this righteous life through him. And we've said it from the beginning that our mission as a church is to make a difference in this community by helping people identify in Christ. To find their identity in Jesus. And we believe when people know their identity in Christ that we make a difference around here. And really that finding your identity in Christ, at the core of it, is just understanding and realizing that God loves you. That you are loved by God. We believe that this does, excuse me, this does change your life. When you realize you are loved, we talk about this all the time, like, we feel this. It's like we're all fighting for that purpose, to be loved, to be accepted. And it's like you have an almighty God who, who died on the cross for, for you. While we, will, while we were still sinners, Christ died. For God so loved the world, he loves you. He loves us. And that's what we want to share. So last week I encouraged us, you know, in difficult times to, to visualize God saying, come to me. Last week the theme was, I've had enough. We're just tired. We've had enough. I'm exhausted. I've had enough. And the encouragement is just, hey, remember, God's right there saying, come to me. I can handle it. And this week, the challenge is us saying, I have enough. I have enough. God has given me enough. And really, to make it more specific to our mission as a church, God has given me everything I need to make a difference. God has given me everything I need to make a difference. A lot of us are like, I'm not good enough, I'm not holy enough, I'm not, you know, I'm still getting my crap together. There's no way I can tell somebody else how to live their life. You're not trying to tell somebody how to live their life. You're trying to let them realize that there's a God who loves them. I have felt the love from God. I want you to know that love too. Church is not about just telling somebody how to be a nice fella. It's about people understanding that they have a God who loves them so much that they would die, that he would die for them. And because of that, we have God's love. We can make a difference by sharing that with others. We have enough. When you're tired, you have enough. When you didn't get the job promotion, you have enough. When you lose your job, you have enough. Not easy. But you have enough. I've expressed to some people um, 
that Starting Press Church, many of you may not know, we're, we have, we're about to celebrate our one-year anniversary as a church. But Starting Press, when I felt God putting it on my heart, I, I called it, how say, an experiment in obedience. An experiment in obedience. What's funny is, a year and a half ago, I had never given a sermon in front of a Sunday morning congregation in my life. Some of you may be saying, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I had to work out of what God was asking of me, not of what I felt like I had. I had to say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you, even though I have doubts myself, and I'm not sure about this. And a year and a half later, you know, I'm still here, and somehow, you know, through COVID, we've got this church thing going, and God's using me, and he's working in me, and I have to say, you know what, God, because of you, I have enough. And I'm going to get up here and potentially make a fool of myself, expressing what I feel like you asking me to do. And I had to trust that he would be enough. And he's working on each of us, asking that question, am I enough for you? Do you trust me enough to be obedient? Do you trust me enough to know you have enough? Michael, you can actually start coming up. I'm going to be closing here in a second. We all know that, like, stuff doesn't buy happiness. We all know the right thing to do, the thing we shouldn't do, the fact that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness and, you know, me getting more stuff isn't going to make me happy. But yet we do continue in that. And I think we're approaching it in the wrong way. It's not just a, a lifestyle change. This is the thing. Like, a lot of times churches become, well, I'm just going to be a lifestyle coach. But it's going to be in the vein of Christianity, and so we're going to feel good about that. God wants your heart. God wants your obedience. And I feel like we've, we've gotten too stuck in just telling people what to do instead of who to look to. Because we continue to look to ourselves in these life coach type of ways. Well, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to live better, I'm going to smile more, and it's all these actions that we put on ourselves, and so we're more spiritual, and God's just saying, I'm right here, I want your heart, your actions, that'll come, those bad habits, sure, we'll work on that, I want your heart. There's messed up people all through the scriptures. A lot of really messed up things in the Bible, if you haven't read it. There's some really weird things, and you see the humanity, you see the brokenness of people, and yet God still, what? He still uses them. King David, we hear about David all the time. David got a girl pregnant, killed, killed her husband, tried to cover it up, and yet this is a guy after, a man after God's own heart? Okay. But yeah, when we dig down deep, we know that we all have that, there's that just, that broken element in our lives. That we're, we aren't perfect. We can't be perfect. We can't do enough. And God's asking, am I enough?
Will you trust me over this stuff? Will you trust me over this job? Will you trust me over COVID, whatever it may be, knowing that the outcome may not look exactly how you want it, but you're going to still trust me. I'm still, I'm still in this experiment of obedience. I'm still like, oh man, I don't know. Is this working or not? Is God going to use this? Powell's a tough, you know, a tough community. Does anybody care about Jesus? Am I wasting my time? But I'm going to trust. God's saying, I've given you enough. I'm continuing to give you enough. So as we close today, I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 for you. And I just want this to be a prayer over our lives today, a benediction, a blessing of sorts. And a lot of times in church, when someone's giving a benediction or a blessing, you'll see people, they'll, they'll kind of hold their hands out. And you don't, you don't have to do this, but you'll see people stand and they'll hold their hands out. And it's really just an expression of, of almost acceptance and of a, of a surrender of sorts. Like, hey, God, like, I'm, I'm accepting this. And so if you all would, would please stand with me. I'm going to read this, this blessing, this benediction over us. And if you would like, you can, you can hold your hands out. You can put them to your side. You can do whatever you want. But here's what I want. I want our hearts to be in a place of accepting this and believing this. So this is Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And we all said, amen. We do pray that this would be what we live out of this week. God, that you would equip us to give us all that we need for what, for whose will, for his will, for your will, God. He is enough. He is enough. We're going to continue in worship, so please stay standing. Let's lift our voices to our God.